Welcome to the Mini Culture Podcast, a show that explores the untold stories of Minnesota's past and present. I'm your host, John Gibertatios. For Minnesotans, the common loon is more than just our state bird. It's a symbol of the beauty of our home. For scientists, the loon's health is also an indicator of lake and water health. But some new data about declines in the younger population of birds could be a warning sign. To understand what's happening, researchers are teaming up with bird watchers in Minnesota and beyond to get one step ahead and to preserve the bird they hold dear. KFAI's Emily Havik spoke with loon lovers and scientists about what they're finding across North America. I am Star. I will be your captain today. Nice to meet you. Nice Thank you for taking you us out. We're boarding the stewardship, a floating classroom on Cross Lake in east central Minnesota, about 30 miles north of Mille Lacs Lake. It looks like a giant pontoon. In fact, technically, it's a tritune. 31 feet without the motor. Wow. And 10 feet wide. I measured it today. It's an unseasonably warm and sunny day in September, toward the end of the season. All right, ladies. We're greeted by Captain Star Bakentin, a vibrant blonde woman, wearing bright colors, loon earrings, and a huge smile. Yes, it's going to be a beautiful day. Oh, it's gorgeous out. In every state, in every country, in forests and on lakes just like this one, cracks are emerging in our ecosystems. Climate change is putting new pressures on species, and even the state bird of Minnesota is not immune. With its haunting call, its distinctive black and white plumage, and its intense, almost otherworldly red eyes, the common loon is an icon of northern Minnesota wilderness, and it inspires passion in the people who want to keep it around. But some researchers believe future generations of the beloved bird in this region may be in jeopardy. Today we're headed out to observe some loons as part of a data gathering effort that could hold the key to their future. So we are headed out onto Cross Lake aboard the stewardship, which is our boat that we've been using for educational boat tours of Cross Lake this summer. This is Natasha Bartolota the Communications and Outreach Coordinator for the National Loon Center in Cross Lake. So bringing people out onto the water to see loons firsthand and teach them about the research project that we're doing, which involves banding the loons to monitor them. The National Loon Center is conducting new research on dozens of lakes in Minnesota to find out how the common loon population is doing in this part of North America. A recent study in neighboring Wisconsin showed declining numbers of chicks and a mysterious drop in young adults. So far in Minnesota, they've gathered two years of data, but it'll take a few more years to identify trends. And so this year in 2022, the this, this purpose of the study was to confirm how many loons return back to those same territories and try to determine additional territories where loons were nesting. Last year, this team monitored about 60 adult loons, this year, 86% of the males and 73% of the females returned. But that's a small pool and a short amount of time. It doesn't yet show a long-term pattern. Today, there are more than 150 banded loons on this lake and 73 others. We have loons on the water. Oh, and we, we spotted some loons out here. I'll catch up to them. Yeah. Captain Star Bakentin is not a naturalist or a scientist. 
She's a contractor, and she's more of an expert on boats than birds. But she's got a knack for this work. Yes. You saw that loon from really far away. Yes, I did. Right, do you have a good eye for these loons? I do have a good eye for these loons. And, and with all the time on the water and sailing, I'm used to looking at the water level, and I can spot them. So you spotted that without binoculars? Yes, I did. Just a little speck? Just a little black dot on the lake. We're careful not to alarm the loon as we approach. We don't want to stress them. If they want to come up to us, that's fine. Usually we get close enough, quietly enough. We just kind of drift into his path. And he shall hopefully do a leg waggle and show us his bands. That foot waggle, which really is the official term, should help us get a look at the colored bands on this loon's leg so we can identify it. Then we'll know whether it's a part of this study. Jody, can you describe a little bit what we're seeing? Out here with us today is Jody Eberhardt, a volunteer who works with the Loon Center. We're seeing uh, one lonely loon out here that just keeps uh, diving and, and fishing, so we're not able to really get a good look at it and, and spot the bands on its legs. This one is adept at concealing its identity, but Bartolota is already leading us to another one. Well, we have a loon with um, young straight ahead, so maybe we will try to see those ones. As a volunteer, Eberhardt primarily helps Bartolota with communications. She's also on the board for the Pine River Watershed Alliance, which includes this lake, and for the Land and Waters Endowment Fund, which funded the stewardship. Oh, look at it. It's flapping its wings. That's a nice, nice wing stretch. Eberhardt is a big-picture volunteer. But lately, she's found another, more tangible way to help. She watches the loons on the lake where she lives, Lake Ossawinamaki, about 25 miles north of Brainerd. She reports what she sees to Bartolota. I spent a lot of time this spring watching the loon chick grow up in our bay on Aussie. What drew you to be involved in this effort? Just passion for wildlife and, and living on the water, and, and that's why helping people understand their impact and training them about the loons and just having them be out and be a part of it really hopefully influences people on their, their behavior and things that they're willing to, to save. Captain Star Bockentine is a prime example of one of those regular people who met the loons and couldn't let them go. What do you love about loons? Oh, the mysterious, the mis, mystique. Is that, is that what it is? The mystique, um, how smart they are, their calls, how calming they are when really they're, they're quite a tough bird, but they sure can't calm human being down. I think it's good for everybody just to watch a loon for a little bit. Bakentine has a long history with the water. I've been driving boats since I was about 12 power boats, but I've been on sailboats since I was about six. I have worked on boats in the Bahamas and in Florida. The largest one was 96 foot. Her history with the loons, though, is recent. And in some ways, they came to her right when she needed them most. And since I have moved up here with my parents to help them out as they age, we lost my dad. But Sorry. This is just a perfect, it was perfect for me. Bakentine works at the Holiday Gas Station just blocks from the lakeshore. When she met the director of the National Loon Center, she knew instantly that she'd be taking on a second job. 
I said, I'm gonna help with the Loon Center. Let's figure out how. And when they got this boat, I said, I can do this. Since the very first cruise on July 21st, 2022, Bakantine has been at the helm of the stewardship. And for her, it's not just a side gig. In fact, she radiates gratitude when she talks about it. Well, it's surely not like a job. It is beautiful. It is refreshing every day. Um, every day is a new day with the loons. As captain, Bakantine is a contractor, but she's hooked now and wants to start volunteering in her spare time. My hope for the loons in this part of the world is that we at least keep them where they're at and they don't go further north. Um, keep the water clear, keep the numbers up, because they are beneficial for the ecosystems. And they've been around, I, I believe it's like millions of years. So I think it's quite a sign if we're losing something that's been on Earth that long. We need to do a little bit of change. Bakantine may not be a scientist, but she knows her stuff. You heard her mention keeping the water clear. That's one of the key parts of this study, water clarity. And that focus on water clarity is not just a hunch. That recent study in Wisconsin made some worrying findings about water clarity and how it's affecting loons over there. You don't expect your study animal to <laughs> suddenly begin to vanish. Dr. Walter Piper is a biologist at Chapman University in Orange, California. But he's been studying loons in Wisconsin since 1993. Then in 2021, he started working with the National Loon Center in Minnesota to see if they're facing the same declines as their neighbors next door. That, uh, you know, chicks were getting smaller. The survival of young chicks was lower. That survival of older chicks was lower than it had been. That the most alarming pattern of all is the low rate at which birds that we banded as chicks return as two, three, four, and five-year-olds to the breeding area. So all of these patterns just leapt out in this shocking way. Some of these patterns have also been uncovered farther north by thousands of loon watchers who report data to Birds Canada, a conservation nonprofit based in Ontario. The reasons for the declines in Wisconsin are complex, and some are still a mystery. But Dr. Piper has uncovered at least a couple of driving factors. The chicks are lighter. They're, they, they're lower mass. Okay, well, obviously, if they're lower mass, it seems like they're not getting as much food as they got before. It could be that there's just less food. Another possibility was that loons were having trouble seeing their prey. They're visual predators, so they, they hunt their prey visually underwater. So it helps to be able to see. Piper made a shot in the dark that turned out to be a bullseye. If the water's clear, the adults apparently can find food abundantly, easily, and stuff it into their chicks, and the chicks grow well. But if it's a bad year, if water's not as clear, then the chicks suffer for it. They don't put on mass, they don't grow as well. And in the last 10 years, there's been a steady drop in water clarity. That directly correlates with the declining chick mass and declining survival. July is the big month of chick growth. It's July water clarity that's critical. Dr. Piper wanted to know why water clarity is declining. So he teamed up with researchers at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute who study weather patterns. What they found is so new that it hasn't even been published yet. 
rainfall is a very strong uh, predictor of water clarity. And of course, it makes sense intuitively that if, if rain is falling, then that's washing a whole bunch of stuff into lakes. So that's the pattern is if there's a lot of rainfall in June and July, that's bad for July water clarity. And that means that's bad for loons looking for food for their chicks and the chicks are smaller. Heavy rainfall doesn't just impact water quality. It also boosts black fly populations. And one type of black fly in particular that specializes in feeding off the blood of loons while they sit on their nests, incubating their eggs. You know, imagine you're a loon, you have to sit for four weeks and black flies are absolutely feasting on you. And in a bad year, there will be hundreds, thousands of black flies, just a cloud of black flies around a loon's head and landing on the loon and biting it mercilessly. When the flies are this bad, often the loons just can't take it anymore. They abandon their nests and their future chicks. Higher rainfall is likely an effect of climate change. And while murky water is one piece of the puzzle that's becoming clearer, one part of this equation is as foggy as ever. What is it that's killing uh, young adults between ages two and five, between the age when they're old enough to migrate and go to the wintering ground for the first time and the time when they show up on the breeding ground for the first time. We don't know what it is. I mean, it, it's a complete black hole. That black hole is the real gap in the research. Because loons don't live on Minnesota and Wisconsin lakes forever. In the winter, they head out for warmer waters. Our loon populations in Wisconsin and in Minnesota both, almost all of those loons winter, about 80% of them are off the Gulf Coast of Florida. Once they're in Florida, things get tricky. They're often farther offshore. They're also molting, which means their coats become gray and drab, not as easy to spot. Piper wants to do more research to find out what happens to them while they're there and why so few are returning. There's such a long time window could be migration could be some small uh, combination of things that occurs throughout those those different life history stages to gather more data on what's happening in florida dr piper and his team will need to connect with scientists and wildlife rehabbers down there and with the unofficial experts who are more connected to the birds than anyone else Bird watchers are people who are walking the beach and bird watching, and if they see a dead bird and they know that, that the loon folks are concerned about their population, um, maybe we can get them to start to pay attention, take a photograph, uh, send that to us, so we have some hope that we'll be able to collect some information. These bird lovers with a direct line of sight may be able to identify patterns and events that researchers up north can't. To be clear, Dr. Piper says the common loon isn't even remotely close to extinction. In fact, the smaller New England population is increasing. But we could be looking at a future where we don't have them here in the Midwest. I'm not so concerned about the species. There are five or 600,000 common loons across North America, mostly in Canada. And even if, if climate change continues, it could wipe out the southern populations. It could completely wipe loons out from the U.S. But I think if your view is, we want loons to be around somewhere, <laughs> and I just feel good that loons are around somewhere, you know, I think the loon species is probably okay and not 
and not in any danger. Those southern populations Piper is most worried about in Minnesota and Wisconsin coexist with more people than their relatives in Canada. And that means they're dealing with more direct human impact, like boat strikes, lead fishing tackle, and shoreline development that takes away their nesting grounds. Yeah, I'm very worried about them in Wisconsin. You know, Minnesota has a larger population, but I'm worried about Minnesota too. That's why we're hustling to try to collect information as quickly as we can to see what might be harming them and what, if anything, we can do to turn that around. After nearly 30 years of loon-watching data collection in Minnesota, the state DNR says the overall population here is stable but they've seen a significant decline in juveniles in north-central Minnesota that they call concerning. Piper says, looking closely at the data, there's reason for concern. And if the problem is with chicks and juveniles, a decline will take longer to show up in the adult population. So you'll see it start around their bill, Um, see more white and gray come in around their bill and around their eye, and then... The loons we're watching on Cross Lake in September are already starting to transition to that drab gray plumage that they'll have down in Florida. And people don't even recognize them as loons because they're gray, they're dull, they don't have a red eye, and they don't call and make noise. So I think- This is Jody Eberhardt again, the volunteer with the National Loon Center in Minnesota. She spends her winters on the Gulf of Mexico, too, and she's seen firsthand how hard the loons are to spot down there. It just looks like a boring gray bird. This loon is at home here on the water today, diving and foraging for food. But soon, it'll head out on a long journey. Pretty soon we'll see adults leaving for migrations, and they somehow, you know, one of those mysteries of bird migration, know exactly where to go. They know how to travel all the way down. Natasha Bartolota says many of these loons will spend the long winter on the Florida coast. The young adults that were born this year will stay up to three years before they're ready to come back to their birthplace to breed and start their own families. But older adults should be back in 2023. When they start to return, Bartolota's team will work to identify all those that have come back and those that are still missing. But they've found with their small research team, the work can be slow. So with all of these lakes and with three people, it took maybe eight to 10 days, sometimes even 12 days apart before you could visit a same lake again. Bartolota has been working to recruit more people who live on the lakes around here, asking them to watch for the banded loons and let the Loon Center know when or if they return. Because that would be really key to know as early as possible in the season which ones of our banded loons are returning. Bartolota says the National Loon Center is working with about 20 volunteers right now and a handful of those are providing loon-watching data. But they want to expand that effort and make it more uniform so that more regular people can provide crucial eyes and ears on the water. That was some good loon-watching. Yeah. Yeah. I could stay forever, yes. Yeah. As Captain Star Bakentine guides us back toward the dock, leaving the peaceful waters is bittersweet. I learned something every day out here. Bakentin's enthusiasm for the loons is infectious. It calms me. It makes me happy. Every day I get up and I have a tour planned, I'm just extra ready to go. So, Her impact as a loon ambassador to the people around her is just beginning. She's even started inviting people she meets on the dock on her tours. And the loons can 
definitely change a person's attitude. I really think so. As you watch them, you just forget about any worries you have, you know? And, and life is too short to worry about stuff that just really doesn't matter in the long run. So I get out here and I experience how happy people can be watching the loons and it just, happy spreads happy. Despite the current worries about the loon population in Minnesota, the National Loon Center is focused on inspiring people about the many actions they can take to keep loons here and keep them safe. I like to take people out and let them experience what the loon life is like so they can be a little bit more careful. Star Bakentin thinks if more people like her fall in love with the loons, they will be more careful. She hopes they'll take more care boating to reduce collisions with loons. Stop using lead fishing tackle, which causes a lot of Minnesota's adult mortality. Reduce use of fertilizer to avoid harmful runoff into the water that can decrease water clarity. And preserve more natural shoreline for nesting habitat so that loons can lay and incubate their eggs in peace, away from predators. You know, we don't all need our own sandy beach. Leave a little wild out there, people. <laughs> because it's the wild where Bakentin has found her peace. And it's the wild she wants to preserve. For KFAI, I'm Emily Havik. Support for Mini Culture on KFAI has been provided by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Season 7 of the Mini Culture Podcast is edited and executive produced by Julie Sensulo. New episodes coming soon, so subscribe to Mini Culture wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, John Gibertatios, and thanks for listening.